I would say all is fair in love and war, and over the last couple of weeks, we've addressed men in the real heart of men. And so the next two weeks, uh, we are going to look at the heart of women and what makes them tick. And we've had some videos, we've had some fun with some videos uh, in the first two weeks, and we thought we would flip the roles and make fair fair, and we're going to, yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a chance for you to take a look at a video when women act like men. Watch this. Oh, man. Every guy in here, just, we're just a bunch of slobs. Let's just admit it. Just, that's how women perceive us as uh, slobs. But you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I don't know how you recover from that. Um, I love the slapping on the butt, too, after the 20-pound bench press. That was just awesome. <laughs> Today we celebrate the differences, and I do say celebrate, the differences between women and men. And I will attempt to um, reveal what makes women tick. I'll put in italicics uh, the the word attempt, bold uh, font. Um, But even this week I opened up on my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, um, and asked some questions, um, two questions I proposed out there. And so a lot of, of this information I'm receiving today is homegrown. It's coming from you 
And, um, and so I asked two questions. And by the way, if, if you want to be involved this week, just friend me on Facebook and it'll help out with next week's message. Um, but I asked two questions. And if you want to read some of the responses between the two questions, um, you'll also see what your husband put and your wife put. Uh, you might find out things you didn't know. Um, anyhow, it was fun watching some of the men write some things and then try to recover like 20 comments later. <laughs> Good try, guys. <laughs> You know, there is a delete button for your comment, you know. (laughs) Um, So I asked two questions, and the two questions uh, uh, were these. The first one was this. The toughest part about being a woman is blank. I asked that question. And so um, women was for them, and I asked them to fill out that question. The toughest part about being a woman is blank. You know, even for you, as you conjure up in your mind right now, what comes to mind when you think about the toughest part about being a woman And the second question I gave to men and women both was this. The thing I do not understand about women is, and you should see some of the responses there. They're good ones, and uh, they help build uh, even information for today. But after taking all those comments um, and then, like, synthesizing them into, like, two things, I learned something this week, um, and I would say this. What I realized was this, men, There are two things about every woman that you should know. In fact, grab your pen, write this down. You should write this down. There are two things about every woman after reading all these comments that you should know. You should know these two things. And the truth of the matter is no one knows what those two things are. (laughs) I'm serious. Um, So let's begin this journey and try to figure out some of these things. Grab your Bible and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 18 to 25. Genesis 2, verses 18 to 25. I encourage you to follow along. First book of the Old Testament, first book of the Bible. We're going to look at the beginning when uh, God created Eve, when he created woman. And um, we're going to see what happened there and then build our text from that. So stand with me and we'll read it together. Genesis 2 verses 18 to 25. Let's read it uh, uh, together out loud. Ready, read. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the man caused the man to fall into, God caused the man to fall into deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man." For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You have a seat. I find it interesting, the name man, and you know why we got the name woman? It's because when Adam took a look at Eve, he said, whoa, man. And that's how we got woman. Um, He didn't say that about any of the other animals. (laughs) Let me give you a attempt today after thinking through this. Just think about the word woman. In the Hebrew, it's just the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew. New Testament is Greek. Old Testament is Hebrew. But the word woman in Hebrew is found, this word is found four times in the Old Testament, which I found very very interesting. So this word only appears in this context or this shape four times in, in the Old Testament. In fact, these four times, it's defined this way. Once for woman, once for ally of equal or greater power, and twice for God, where he was described in his relationship with Israel. So once for woman, once for ally, which of equal or greater power, when this Hebrew word appeared, woman, and twice for God in his relationship with Israel. And so by no means does the word woman carry a subservient or inferior role. Nowhere in the Old Testament. Nowhere in the New Testament. 
Nowhere in the Bible is a woman to be a subservient to a man. It's equal value, equal worth, and even not like some would want to say lower value or lower worth. Now, it's equal worth, equal value, but different roles. So God does define the role different of a woman than he does a man in the context of a marriage relationship. However, they're equal, different roles, but equal value, equal worth. Never, ever, ever in a marriage relationship should a man lord over his wife. The two become one, working together, she becomes his helper, and two are stronger than one together. And so, or become strong one together. So women, women are not an afterthought. It's time we level the playing field and, and keep that in mind. However, God himself even said this. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Have you ever looked at a college dorm where guys have lived there for a semester without a woman in the college dorm? I mean, the, there's stuff that's growing on the walls around trash cans. And the showers, have you ever seen a college men dorm shower? Or have you ever seen the, the toilet stalls? I mean, guys do sky dumps in, in dorms. They just, they do. It's stupid stuff. They do that in college, believe me. I mean, it's a difference. I mean, you take a woman out of a pitcher and you put men alone, put junior high boys together for a weekend without mom there. What happens? There, there's, this, there's this unusual thing. Put men around a fire without any female supervision. I mean, just and let that happen like 10 straight nights. It's going to get bigger and bigger and more dangerous and more dangerous and more dangerous till limbs are lost and fingers are gone and eyebrows are no longer there. God has designed us to need helpers in our lives. And so... Let's keep that in mind. Before we even go there, though, let's think about this discussion. After looking at all those responses, and there were a a ton of them, basically summed it up this way. I would sum up women at Grace Community Church here in the main and the link, and I would sum up women, even other resources that I use for this message across the world. I would say this, you are tired. I would describe women as tired. I would say that the majority of women are just tired. Day in, day out, week after week after week, trying to to live life, literally. And it's like you're spinning all these plates, 10 of them all at once, and trying to make sure that none of them fall and making sure this plate gets as much of your attention and your affection and your care and nurture as this plate does. And so then someone else comes in the picture and you're trying to care for them. And, and so you have all these plates that are spinning around. And so you wake up each day and you think, oh, if I could only get these plates to remove this one and take care of that. But then you wake up the next day and they're still there. And so we have these women all across our world and you are tired. How many women would agree with that? Just tired. You're tired from all your responsibilities. And so men, keep that in mind, especially married men. Are you helping to shoulder some of that weight that they're carrying? Or are you just adding to their plates, more plates for them to spend? If there's anything I've learned is that you are tired And then you have passages of scripture like this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31. In light of caring for all the responsibilities that you have and trying to keep your home a a stable place and feed your children and and work and and, and help with bills and do the laundry and do dishes and, and, and care for your husband's needs or your friend's needs or relational needs and then there's this, this passage in Scripture that somehow it's like, it's like everyone wants to go there. Let's, let's just go see what kind of woman you're supposed to be. And so Proverbs 31, look at Proverbs 31, verses 10, and we'll read through it. It says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is far, she's worth far more than rubies. By the way, just pause here, guys. It says that you are finding the wife 
You are pursuing her. You are asking her out. You are the one who pursues after her. You're the one when you see and you notice that she's, you've been running hard after Jesus and this woman is keeping up with you and you stop and introduce yourself and say, hey, you want to run with me? There's this sense where you're doing the pursuing, you're doing the asking, and you don't ask by text, by just putting a little feeler out there and say, hey, I saw you. Just, you man up, you may ask her out with your voice and talk to her. Another message for another day. Uh, then it says this, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. As if there isn't enough responsibility. You bring him good all the days of her, your life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Not just working. She can hardly wait to do it. Everything. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She even serves her servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets out about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees her trading is profitable. And her lamp does not go out at night. She gets up early. She stays up late. In her hand, she holds the staff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows... She has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes a seat and talks about the NFL draft, no, among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength, even though she stays up late, gets up early, and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She's always busy. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. You bet he does. He's sitting at the city gate hanging out with his dudes. Verse 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be what? Praise. Give her the reward she has earned, husbands, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So not only do you have all these responsibilities, but you have this shadow of a woman called the Proverbs 31 woman, who, quite frankly, doesn't exist so you have this, 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 like this measure that you're supposed to live up to. You're able to do anything, build anything. You never sleep. You're always working. You can, you can knit. You can sew. You can shop. You can buy property. You stake it out. You're, you're a realtor. You're an investor. You have, you're a friend in the neighborhood. I mean, you have all these things going on. And for that matter... Think about who wrote Proverbs 31. Look again. It's good to be reminded of this. Look at chapter 31 and verse 1. The sayings of King Lemuel. Now look what it says. An oracle his mother taught him. So back away. Not only does, is this standard set, but think about it. This Lemuel, Mule, it's his mother that says, hey, these are the standards. So not only is it bad enough, it's your mother-in-law that wrote it. That sheds new light on Proverbs 31, doesn't it? Another message for another day. But this woman has to be tired. She's busy, no time for friendships, let alone time for intimacy. So for many, it leaves you, women, unable to meet the expectations, thinking you are ungodly because you can't weave a basket, stitch a curtain while nursing three babies. And you feel like, I'm not good enough. And so when you try to live to these expectations that are there, that are placed on you by your mother-in-law, it's no wonder you feel tired. Your job never gets done. And so that's why you're tired. 
I mean, seriously, think about this. It's like Groundhog Day movie over and over and over again. You wake up every day with the same responsibilities. Still have to do the laundry. Still have to do yesterday's dishes. Still have to make sure the kids' lunches are packed. Still have to cook meals. Still have to, still have to, still have to. It's like yesterday stuff is still today again and again and again. Your job never gets completed. I mean, seriously. It's like laundry. Every time you're about to fold that last piece, you see your husband, he's got dirty clothes from work, and you want to wring his neck. He's like, because you're thinking, I'm finished the laundry, and all you see him is a dirty piece of laundry. It's like it never gets finished. And so with the pressure to be the glue that holds the family together, do the laundry, drive the kids around to sport practices, cook supper, do your hair and primp up, learn how to carry a gun, meet your husband at the door after the baby has puked over you all day long, run four miles, milk the cows, vacuum the house, and answer all the Facebook messages from your girlfriends before they think you're mad at them, make the doctor and dentist appointments and pull the weeds out of the flower bed, speak baby talk all morning, wash the dirty dishes from breakfast and lunch before 8 a.m. so you can drop off the homework that your son forgot to take right after you gas up the van that your husband said he would do, but he watched three times ESPN that morning while he was eating breakfast. There it is. Is it any wonder you're tired? Let me just say this. For the stay-at-home mom, which is under-attacked and underappreciated, I think what you do is incredible. I think you're the most undervalued underappreciated human being on planet earth. Let me just say this. We need to elevate and honor and value stay-at-home moms who set aside maybe some of their, their career goals so that they can hold the family together. Can we start honoring stay-at-home moms and say, you are amazing. Anybody? Can we just say, you are amazing. single working mom who has kids. You are amazing. Or how about for the working woman who comes home to a house that she has to care for, not only the laundry, but making sure that, that things are fixed and repaired and cared for. You are amazing. There never seems to be an end to your to-do list. Then add to this whole mix of Proverbs 31, this whole mix of just responsibilities. Just add to that this thing called hormones. That you can't get a grasp on. And just about the time that you do. I mean, it's like kids are out of the house. You're by yourself with your hubby. It's like it's like prime time. And then this beautiful thing called menopause walks into your life that never gets talked about. And you start having these hot flashes. And you think, please, God, just give me a break. I mean, think about that for a second. When menopause kicks in, you get hot and not hot for your husband. And he gets hot because you're hot, but not his definition of hot. And so there you go again for another period of life until you walk your way through menopause. And then you have these mother-in-laws that, who just, oh, we love you, praying for you, and we've been thinking about you, who get, send you this framed picture of Proverbs 31 with a big smiley face on it. It says, thinking of you. At that very moment, the thought of gun control is defined in a much different way than most have. It becomes, give me a gun and I will take control. <laughs> is it any wonder you're tired? And it never stops. It just never stops. Responsibilities, the day after daily grind. I was reminded of it uh, even this week. In our house, we have a, a laundry chute that my wife wanted put in when we built our home uh, few years back, and, you know, I thought it was a great idea. 
Sure, honey, we'll put a laundry chute so that it helps you do laundry. <laughs> and so we don't have a hamper in our house, and so we put this laundry chute, and we made sure we put it in a closet so that Josh and Isaiah didn't dive down through and use it as a place to jump. And so it's narrow enough that um, shoulders won't go through it, um, but it didn't mean that they didn't try. Uh, so there's a place in our hall that you open up the door and there's this laundry chute. And the beauty of it is it's downstairs in our laundry room and the clothes literally drop right in front of the washer and dryer. It's just awesome. So I can just go there and, and watch them drop. And, and, and so there they are. They just pile up right in front. Just a reminder every day that I get to do the laundry. <laughs> this week I was... Uh, I was getting ready uh, to, to bathe for the evening and shower up. And um, so I walked in the hallway and I was taking off my dirty shirt. And you can look down there and you can tell when someone's in there because the light is on. I mean, it comes up through. And so, you know, I was getting ready to have my clothes. And, and I looked down and there was Anne. She's folding like, like the last three or four pieces of clothes. And just like, Phew. And I'm above her like. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting in the picture. It's that moment where you think, should I or shouldn't I? Should I just wear this again tomorrow? <laughs> and so I say, hey, honey, watch out. <laughs> and what went through her mind at that moment, it'll never be heard on video. <laughs> Love you, baby. Meet you in the bed tonight. <laughs> that wasn't happening. <laughs> I just want to say this. I could never do what my wife Ann does. And probably if we were honest, those of us who are married, we could never do what our wives can do. And you know what? We probably undervalue them too much and underappreciate them. Another reason that you're tired, your emotions never exit your mind. And I didn't even need to ask anybody for that. It's true. I mean, never. It's like you got this emotional hormone thing that just continues to spin, just turn and turn and turn. It's this continuous roller coaster of emotion that looks like a a oscilloscope to us. And we're just hoping we can jump in when there's a good moment. And about the time a man jumps in, it's like... And it leaves us dumbfounded. And sometimes caught between a rock and a hard place concerning our response. It's those mood swings that women have that men, most men, don't deal with. And so, what do we do with that? How do you handle that? How do you bring sense to that? I mean, what happens when there's a mood swing? The best way I saw this demonstrated was in a movie that Walt Disney put out called Tangled. And there's a scene where Rapunzel kind of demonstrates mood swings. Watch this. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I did this. (laughs) Mother would be so furious. That's okay. I mean, what she doesn't know won't kill her, right? Oh my gosh. This would kill her. You seem a little at war with yourself here. So there it is, isn't it? What do we do with that? Let me just suggest something that you probably don't do, men. What if we ask God to help us to appreciate the difference? What if we said, God, help me to value the way you've wired my wife. God, Help me to cherish that my wife carries these hormonal imbalances in her life. God, 
help me to love her and cherish her even when it's breaking up. What if instead of responding and trying to fix, we pulled away as the stronger man and said, God, give me a love for my wife in her worst moment like I've never had before. What if, what if instead of Budding heads, we pulled away and we prayed, God, help me to cherish my wife. Help me to appreciate the differences. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you asked God to help you instead of fixing them? I wonder what would happen in relationships if we took responsibility as men and say, God, give me a greater appreciation because God, this is how you formed her. This is how you created her. And when you created her, you said it was good. What if we decided the way God created women is good? I have an idea what might happen in your relationship you would begin to value your wife, your girlfriend in a way that she's never felt before. And there would be a deep level of emotional connection that would cause her to feel loved. I double dog dare you men. to ask the God of the universe to help you instead of fixing them. You see, that might be a way to help this encounter. The reality is this regarding women. Women deal with multiple thoughts and emotions from their past and present all the time. And they can't easily be dismissed. So if that's the case, the same way it is for men that are tempted from the past and we have these visual things that run through our mind that we can't stop coming in, but we can stop how we respond to them. What if we said, well, that emotion that's coming, she can't stop it from coming, but she can control what she does with it the same way that we control what we do with these visual things from the past. What if we said, I'm going to take control of that personally And what if women took control of those just like men are forced to take control of those fleeting temptations that aren't sin, it's what you do with them that can become sin. So women have these things, these emotions that pop up all the time. Their thoughts, and I've said this, but some of you guys still haven't gotten this. Their thoughts are like pop-up screens on a computer. Have you ever been word processing or doing social networking and you're just there and all of a sudden, it's like, by the way, how often does um, the, the, the stuff need updated? Like Adobe Files, like 10 times a week. It's like, man, I already updated you. And it's like, you're, you're working along, boom, needs updated. You just, you want to hit delete. Or you're there and there's this other file that comes up, says your computer needs to restart it. 20, you can do it 24 hours, you can do it in two hours, you can do it later, you can postpone. It's like, it just pops up when it wants to. And you're like, get rid of this thing. Or you're, you're on social media and this ad comes up, delete. Women have these pop-up screens all day long. You could be walking hand in hand and have the most romantic moment with them. Or you could be in a romantic place. Or you could be having this just incredible conversation. All of a sudden, boom. Where did that come from? And so they have this continually battle of these pop-up screens. Most women have stored up thoughts or feelings from the past that regularly pop into active mode, whether you want it or not, or whether they want it or not. And women seem consistently unable to close these windows as easily as men can. More than a man, a woman will be regularly hit by an unresolved emotional issue or hurts from a conversation last night, last month, last year, or 10 years ago. So they'll be walking throughout their day. Everything seems normal. It seems like a good day. And then, 
And men, you know what we want to do when that happens and we're with them? We want to find the button to delete it. Delete. Let me tell you something. When God made women, he threw away the buttons. They aren't there. So as hard as you try, you're not going to find the button to fix it. And so we're constantly trying to fix it and get rid of it. And they have a challenge. Not only that one, but multiples come. That one makes them think of this, and that smell makes them think of that, and that word and that song, and that, 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 that. And so we're just, and so then they have these hormones, these emotions are spinning. It's like merry-go-round, and so that's what's happening in their minds all the time. The things men say to them are on their mental tape archive, and it's as real today as it was the moment you spoke it to them. Five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Guys, that's why it's, we are blindsided when our wives bring something up that happened two years ago. And we're like, didn't we resolve that thing? Didn't we talk about it? There you go again. And when you say, there you go again, there you go again. You see, we can walk away from a bad argument, guys can, because we're logically wired and want to have sex. She needs time to close the pop-up window that still lingers. The same way we can't stop images of temptation that float through our mind, or our response to them, I should say, they can't stop the memories of the past. But you can respond to those and take control of them. So what do you do? What's a man do? When a temptation comes in his mind, he takes the thought captive. He replaces it with scripture and a promise, and he throws it away and gives it to God. He renounces the thought, turns it over to God, replaces it with a truth from his scripture, and he moves on. Ladies, when an emotion comes to you from the past, you can do the same thing. You can grab a hold of that, Take it captive. You can take a promise from Scripture and renounce it. And you can toss it away. And you can let God intervene. You have control over the boxes. But listen, guys. You don't have control over them. And as much as you want to. And as much as you want to tell her how to take things captive. And as much as you want to. Replace it with something else. And as much as you want to keep throwing it away and say scripture that God forgot about it and doesn't remember it, won't, don't go there, by the way. She is in control. Ladies, you do have control. You can't use your emotions and your hormones as an excuse for your sinful behavior when you respond to them. God did wire you to take captive those things. Think about this, how women respond differently than men. Think about in relationship-wise. Even the way another lady is afraid to tell another lady a truthful thing that might hurt them. They often say, I don't know how they'll respond to that. I'm afraid that, and then they come to this list like 20 things. If I say this, she might bring this up and she might bring that up and we might not be able to do this and last time we did this was then. And if we do that, and you guys were sitting there like, and I want, you know, we've been in conversation with Ann and I've been in conversations and there's been times I haven't done a really good job. And so every part of me is saying, well, if a guy did this, I'm just going to tell him. And if he has a problem with it, so be it. Women can't respond that way because they're more concerned about how she'll feel about it often more than what the truth is. You see, plus... Men, we think our wives should feel secure about our love, but she always doesn't because we're logically wired and we come up with all these things. Well, I showed you love here and I did this and I did that and you're keeping score all day and you're like, man, it's gonna be a good night and you know, you're processing, you're logically driving to this, this touchdown and, and, and she needs to feel it from the inside. She processes love based on emotion. We base it on logic. And regardless, if you can state all the ways that you love her, it doesn't matter to her because she doesn't feel it emotionally. Guys, if you get this one down, it changes everything in the relationship you have with this woman in your life. 
Instead of fighting it and causing her, wanting her to be like you, let's celebrate the differences. Let's bring God into the relationship. Let's teach each other how to respond to it. And let's say, you're weird, I'm weird, let's be weird together. You must love her from the inside out and not the outside in. When she is sharing an emotional problem, her feelings and her desire to be heard are far more important than the problem itself. So guys, let me give you some tips here. Don't try to fix it right away. Don't ever, underline, ever tell her she's overreacting. Have you ever said that to your wives, guys? Man, you're just over, I'll show you overreacting. Don't question her version of the facts. Don't do it. It's not worth it. At that point, it doesn't matter if there were 10 people there or nine people there or eight people there. It was eight o'clock or nine o'clock or it was Tuesday. And if it was, it doesn't matter if she thinks you said that six years ago when you know it was 26 years ago. It, It doesn't matter. Don't question the facts. Just listen. Men, don't wonder out loud when there's an emotional disagreement in your home about if it's that time of the month. Don't ever wonder out loud about that. It'll go bad quickly. Don't ever ask her to quit crying. Baby, would you just quit crying for a second so we can just like talk this out? Look at me, eyeball to eyeball. Can we just, you know, me and you. That doesn't work either. And by all means, don't offer her spiritual correction. Chapter and verse, like Joshua 1 9. Be bold, be courageous. There's your bold and courageous. And by the way, ladies, just in case you haven't figured this one out by now, your man doesn't need to be reminded time of the month. He already knows. It's like, you ever feel like your wife has to remind you that that's the time? It's like, I knew that three days ago. It's called PMS. Here's the answer, men, when it comes to those disagreements. I would say most of the time, this is the answer. Just listen and reassure her of your love and hug her if she will let you. (laughs) Seriously, just listen. Reassure her and say, and don't say everything that your mind is thinking and you're computing and you tabulate it and logically you know all the answers. Like, if she would just do this. I want to say it so badly because I know it fix it. Don't go there. Just say, baby, I love you. With the filter. But 95% of women were asked this question. Were asked this question. In the midst of an argument... When your emotions are spinning in circles and there's confrontation, what do you want your husband to do? Ninety, guys, this, this, is, this is really good. 95% of the women polled said, this is what I would wish my husband would do. Now, if she says this and 95% of the women are saying this, dudes, use it. 95% of women said this. In the midst of conflict, in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this emotional breakdown, this is what I wish my husband, this is what you should say. Even though you're angry, and all the facts aren't lining up, and even though you're mad, even though you want to, to fix it, and even though you know you're right. She said, 95% of the women said, if he would say this, it would change everything. Here's what it is. Say this, dudes. I'm angry right now, and I need some space, but I want you to know that we're okay. Hear that, guys? I'm angry right now, man, and I need some space. But before I leave here, I want you to know this, baby. We're okay. You see, because most women fear that this emotional blow-up that they're having might be the one that causes you to run away forever. (laughs) 
Women said this in regards to that, that that statement would eliminate or diminish the emotional turmoil on their part because you connected emotionally with their hearts. By the way, men, women want to be wanted. She needs to know that you're thinking about her. And she responds to a man noticing her, especially a husband. But that can be dangerous too if she's feeling unwanted at home or for a single girl who has a poor self-image of herself. She will take the first man that shows her attention. She needs to know that you want her, that you need her, that you can't make it without her. Guys, you can never show and tell your wife enough that, listen, I need you, I want you, and I couldn't do life without you. And the truth of the matter is, all three of those things are true, but we're hesitant to share. You can never share those kind of things enough. By the way, men, she wants sex, husbands and wives. She wants sex just as much as you do, but it starts in her heart. And if she is not feeling it, her switch is off. That's where we're so different. All we need to see is like a toenail that's got pink on it. Oh, baby, bedroom. (laughs) But she needs to feel it from the inside out. So while her head is spinning with this merry-go-round of emotions, and you're trying to find the delete button as quick as you can, she believes that you and her are a few blow-up ways from you running away. Another thing I found out from ladies is this. You have an identity crisis, and it began in the beginning. Look at Genesis chapter 3 quickly. Genesis chapter 3. You have an identity crisis. Look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Have you ever wondered, by the way, I have, why did God attack the woman first? Why did he go for the woman? Why didn't he go for the dude first? Why did he go and, and, and question the woman? By the way, the man is, is still responsible. He was with her. He was passive. He blew it. He should have stepped in. But why did, why did Satan go after the woman first? Have you ever wondered why he went after the woman? I think I know why. This is purely level six kind of stuff. Maybe he felt she was the weaker of the two, as any predator does. Maybe it was because of her beauty. Now think about that for a second. Because Ezekiel chapter 28 talks about Satan and his beginning in chapter 12, or verses 12 to 14. And it says that he's a picture of beauty. That he was the, the anointed cherub. That he, was, he, he wanted to be like God. It's like he was noticed. And so there was a measurable and noticeable difference about his beauty, about his his. his physical stature and maybe he's going after the woman because he wanted more and because he wanted to be like God and because he wanted his beauty to to resonate in heaven his pride stepped in and he was thrown out maybe he's going after the woman and her beauty and her identity because that's how he felt and he's jealous of her beauty maybe just maybe he is on the revenge to assault her beauty so he began with Eve And maybe you are hated because of your beauty and power and your ability to reproduce beauty. Maybe he's after you and your identity because you get to reproduce beauty. So every day of your life, you battle issues where you stand in front of the mirror and you begin to critically evaluate yourselves. And most of the time, you don't measure up in your own eyes. And so your identity begins with these kind of crises. It begins with your looks. And so today when you were in your mirror and you, you took a look at yourself and you're wondering, boy, I hope this looks better. I, I, does this look good? Does my butt look fat? And you ask your husband and just, you ask these questions. And so you took all this time with your curling irons and your blow dryers and different outfits. And, and Bing showed us last week how you did that. And just... It's just, you took that time. And maybe the reason is because 
You're constantly assaulted with these magazines saying, this is beauty. That's beautiful. This is what's beautiful. And maybe, maybe, just maybe we need some husbands to step up and say, baby, you got what it takes. But when you know you're beautiful in Christ and your identity is in Christ, it's fun dressing up. You become your own Barbie. Seriously, have you ever taken a Barbie doll and like held it in front of a mirror and say, oh, you're ugly. You're so ugly. Who's ever said a Barbie doll is ugly? I mean, you could strip every outfit off of her and just, and you have no problem with the way she looks and you just keep adding to the beauty. Oh, let me curl the hair and put some shoes. When you know who you are in Christ, you're beautiful and it becomes fun. It becomes something you do and you're joyful about it because you already know you're beautiful and you just keep adding to it. And it becomes like you're a Barbie for yourself. Another identity crisis that you have is with your home. Why do you think so many women are obsessed with Pinterest? <laughs> because we like looking at rooms and, and we like looking at how they did the kitchen and the shelves and, oh, that picture, that is just like, oh, look how they crafted that. It's like you love it because home is your place of nesting and you feel beautiful when your home is in order. And a home becomes an extension of your identity. Men, by the way, if you want your wife to feel beautiful, you know what you need to do? Is finish the honeydew list. Because what you see is just like, well, the bathroom doesn't have a door on it. You don't care. That means a lot to her. And that picture, that frame that, that you know would take you 10 minutes to punch a hole with a screwdriver, put a plastic insert in, turn a Phillips screw three times, mount it on the wall, that would take you five minutes. She thinks about that all day, that bland wall. Because home becomes an extension of her beauty and can be insecurity for her because it doesn't measure up to her friend or what she sees on Pinterest. Children become an insecure issue. Finding an identity in them. By the way, when I talked last week about dressing with uh, modesty, and I, I encourage dads to take the lead there with your, with your daughters, I had two private Facebook messages from men said, Jim, I want that, but my wife won't let it happen. And I just heard recently this week where a man who has a Christian camp made a decision, the board of directors made a decision, this large Christian camp that women who come, girls who came, teenage girls, weren't allowed to wear two-piece bathing suits. They had to wear a one-piece bathing suit so they were covered up. And he said that he was hammered with emails. 99% of them were from the moms. Why do you think that is? So they had a meeting. They brought a meeting in to talk about proper attire for swimming. And he said, 95% of the people who came were moms. And when they walked in, he soon found out why they wanted their daughters to wear bikinis and were okay with it by the way they were dressed because your identity often is in your exterior. It's a form of insecurity. You're insecure in relationships with men. By the way, ladies, another man will never give you identity you're seeking, especially if you aren't finding it already in Jesus Christ. By the way, if your eggs inside of you could talk when you see a man and you're, you're, you're settling with a dude, the heat they know, they would say, no, mom, no, not him. Definitely not him. <laughs> about relationships you settle in relationships and cliques because you think you can find identity there and then you're like between a rock and a hard place when it comes to career well if I get a career then I don't look like I love my kids and if I don't get a career then it looks like I'm not worried about the future and, and so it's like this pressure from the world and so you find insecurity there and then you're past your lack of education, your sinful baggage, your formers and your exes and your family origin. And you let all that stuff in the past that Jesus took to the cross and covered it all. 
and redeemed you and you're born again and your freedom in Christ. And he said, I've forgotten about it. Why do you keep bringing it up? Or you feel the pressure to be married. It's like everyone else is getting married and all Pastor Jim talks about married couples. Let me tell you something. If you're single and God's given you the, the, it called you to be single, celebrate it. Be proud of it. Strut your shoulders. I'm a single gal and I'm proud of it. This is what God has called on my life. Go flourish in your singleness. God has created you to be single. We applaud that. But here's what begins to happen. Your own view of yourself becomes distorted based upon what everyone else thinks about you. And so you don't even know who you are. And if you were have to describe who you were, you see yourself less than what God sees you. Let me show you what I mean. Watch this. I'm a forensic artist. Worked for the San Jose Police Department from 1995 to 2011. I showed up to a place I'd never been, and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them. They couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. Tell me about your chin. It kind of protrudes a little bit, hmm. especially when I smile. Your jaw? My mom told me I had a big jaw. What would be your most prominent feature? Kind of have a fat, rounder face. The older I've gotten, the more freckles I've gotten. I would say I have a pretty big forehead. Once I get a sketch, I say thank you very much, and then they leave. I don't see them. All I had been told before the sketch was to get friendly with this other woman, Chloe. Today I'm going to ask you some questions about a person you met earlier, and I'm going to ask you some general questions about their face. She was thin, so you could see her cheekbones. And her chin, it was a nice, thin chin. She had nice eyes. They lit up when she spoke. Cute nose. She had blue eyes, very nice blue eyes. So here we are. This is the sketch that you helped me create. And that's a sketch that somebody described of you. So yeah, that's... She looks closed off and fatter, sadder too. Mm -hmm. The second one looks more open, friendly, and happy. Mm -hmm. I should be more grateful of my natural beauty. It impacts the choices and the friends that we make, the jobs we apply for, how we treat our children. It impacts everything. It couldn't be more critical to your happiness. Do you think you're more beautiful than you say? Yeah. Yeah. We spend a lot of time as women analyzing and trying to fix the things that aren't quite right. And we should spend more time appreciating the things that we do like. You're a lot more beautiful than you sometimes realize. And if you come to grips with that, that you're loved by the creator of the universe. And when he made you and molded you, it was his very best creation. And when you begin to see yourselves the way God sees you, it changes everything. Do you remember as a little girl when you used to dress up and you used to put your little princess outfit on and, and you'd put your pumps on and 
and you'd run through the house with your top and your purse. I remember when Hannah would do this, and she would spin around, twirl. This is her former dress. And she would say, Daddy, watch. Daddy, look at me. Daddy, am I beautiful? And I would say, oh, honey, you're a princess. But something's happened in so many ladies' lives from this to where you're at now. You don't feel like a princess anymore. Let me say this in closing. The God who created you is enthralled with your beauty. The Bible says he is wowed about you. And so when you got out of bed this morning, he said, there's my little princess. And when you began to find your identity in the God of the universe, it changes how you live. God, help us today. I pray, Jesus, that there would be a switch that clicks in ladies' hearts today. They would realize that when you created them, you said it is very good. And I pray, Jesus, that you would help them find identity in you. And I pray that there would be moments this week that they would dance before you because the king is enthralled with their beauty. May security replace insecurity. And may women live to the redemptive potential they've been created to live. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.